Right, so for our first new episode, we're excited to tell you that our first guest is a gentleman called Ricky Marley. We've virtually known Ricky now for the past nine months through this platform clubhouse, and we decided to have him on this show as a certified property entrepreneur that he is with over 20 years of experience in the field. With no further ado, let's get Ricky to introduce himself if his massive arms will let us. And tell us your story, Ricky, of how, where you got to today. Okay, uh, my name is Ricky Marley. Uh, like you mentioned, been in property for the past 20 years. Um, but my actual journey started from um, my flooring business that I kind of set up. So I'll take you back right to the start, if we've got time. Time, all the time in the world, mate. all the time in the world. Okay, so... Just hurry up. Hurry up. <laughs> All right, so the age of 16, I left home due to a bit of a difficult upbringing with my parents. Well, I was living with my mum at the time, I remember, um, 12, 13 years old, and she was suffering kind of severe depression, so she didn't really know how to look after myself and my sister. Um, and I decided to go and live with my dad because my mum and dad were separated. Um, went to live with my dad and he was a complete opposite, proper strict, um, really strict in fact. And by the age of 16, I couldn't tolerate it anymore. So I decided to leave home. And I remember my Saturday job at the time was working with this guy that had a flooring business and a, and he was heavily into property as well. And my Saturday job was to go out with the fitters on a daily basis and basically do all the donkey work. How, so, how, old, was, how old was you when you were doing that? I was 16, 16, left home. Um, actually went to live with him in his house, um, stayed in his son's bedroom, I used to sleep on his floor, we came, became really good friends, um, and, and used to work for him full time, started working for him full time. And I used to go out with his three sons, all of them were carpet fitters. I used to go out with them and do all the donkey work, put the underlaying grippers down, sweep up the floors, carry the carpets in and whatnot. Um, fast forward three years, I was 19 by then, I learned how to fit carpet, Bought my first van, um, met this girl in Finsley Park, I remember quite clearly. What, in the, in, in the park? Finsley Park area. In the night. In yeah. the night, yeah. <laughs> and she used to live in Finsley Park and I used to um, see her on a regular basis. Moved in with her and I set up a little office at home. Um, bought myself my, my first van, I remember. I only had about 500 quid at the time. And I bought this blue Mazda panel van out of a big yellow siren on the top and it stunk of fish. That's what I could afford at the time. It was a diesel van, stunk of fish. Um, and then um, set up this little office in her flat, put adverts out in the local newspaper, no internet at the time. Um, so I put adverts in the local paper, wait for a customer to call. I used to go around with my carpet samples, measure up the floors, sell the carpet, and then um, go back and then fit the carpet myself. So I used to earn the money on selling the carpet and then earn the money on, on fitting the carpet. And I've done that for a few years. What's that? So I've done that for a few years and then at the age of 23, I saved up about five grand, I remember, um, and that's when I bought my first property, um, a one bed flat in Edmonton, I paid 67 grand for it, I remember I put down £3,350 deposit, as was 5% at the time, um, and I set up my first retail shop, so I took on this little tiny a unit inside a big shopping center but they had like a big commercial premises and they carved it up into smaller units and there was multiple different businesses within that indoor market and I took on a little unit right at the back I was paying 150 pounds a week for this little unit 
Um, and I kitted it all out. So I put all the carpet samples up on the wall. I had my office, my little desk, computer. Um, started from scratch, basically, and just waiting for the customers to come in. At the time, my, my strap line of the business was free estimates, free fit and free underlay. Um, customers would come in, give me their address. I used to go around, measure up these properties, give them a quote. Um, and I remember um, at the time, I made sure that all my prices was um, the most competitive within the area. So I was the cheapest, basically, you know just to build the business up and get the clients in. Um, and it just grew from there. Um, after a couple of years, I relocated closer to the front of the shopping center, not right at the front where the windows were. You had a lot of footfall going past compared to the people coming in. So my, my objective was to get to the front um, of the building. So that way you got more exposure. Anyway, I took on this other unit, um, stayed there for a couple of years. It was second unit from the front. Um, business, business started to grow. And then uh, an opportunity came up where a women's clothing shop was for sale. And this was right at the front of the indoor uh, shopping center. And I paid 10 grand for this women's clothing shop. And Did they give um, you any free uh, I had all the stock. I had all the, I had all the clothes, all the everything. Dirty laundry, yeah? Everything. Everything you can imagine. What I paid do, 10 grand. Do do I sold it all. <laughs> Two pounds, three pounds, four pounds. <laughs> that's brilliant no, that's what I'm saying that's, so I bought, the, the main reason why right I bought there. this shop is because I wanted to get the shop window I wanted to be at the front so I paid 10 grand for this uh, shop had all the women's clothes and started selling it all cheap £2, £3, £4 it was actually really busy really really busy anyway eventually I sold all the stock and then moved all my carpet samples in set up the business and then continued and it started growing even more so more customers I had to take on a couple of more fitters um, and the revenue really started to come in then Stayed there for a couple of more years, and then um, the license was coming to an end. They were going to close down the shopping center, so I took on a pub in the main shopping center now. I've gone right outside now. I've taken a pub and converted this big pub into a carpet shop, but at the same time, because of the size of it, I was able to carry stock. So I put huge rolls of carpet inside, plenty of rolls of carpet inside, and that's when it really started kicking off. Common sense, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, started kicking off. Um, so... Yeah, put in loads of roll stock, um, took on more fitters, and the business was doing well. It was, it was generating just under a million pounds a year in turnover, which was quite good, and I was making a good enough income. But during this time, I mentioned I bought my first flat at 23, but during this time, whatever funds were coming, whatever extra money was coming in by the time I paid all the, the wages and the staff and the shop and the rent and the rates, etc., I was also buying properties at the same time. Uh, but property for me was more of a... Um, kind of a side hobby, should I say, uh, more of a hobby. The, the, the business was my, my core focus, was building a business. My plumber's outside. Thanks, mate. Sorry, go on, mate. After you yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, pro the, the flooring business was my core business. Property was more of a kind of side hustle, like a, like a little hobby. Um, but I was buying properties. I met someone, actually, through my flooring business. I can call him a mentor, but, you know... It, at that time, 20 years ago, I don't think mentors existed, but he was like my mentor. He guided me. He knew how to buy properties. He knew how to add the value. He knew all about the leverage and refinancing. And I kind of latched onto him. I used to go to all of his projects. He used to pick up the keys to his properties. I used to go to his, to his projects, have a look at the state of the condition of the property before he'd done the refurb. And then uh, because I used to do all the flooring work for him, I used to go back and see all the, the, the refurb and the works that he's done after. And I used to pick his brain. I used to ask him how much he used to pay for the properties, uh, how much value he's added, how he reconfigured the internal floor plans to create that value. And it properly inspired me. I remember at that point, it really inspired me. Um, and I kind of 
took on the same method and started to do the same thing. Uh, bought my second property, distressed property, done the refurb. In fact, um, this guy had three sons as well. Um, and all of them were in the, they, they, he basically taught them the building trade. So plumbing, electrics, wiring, and they had like an in-house um, kind of builders, their sons and the dad. So they'd buy the houses and the sons would actually carry out the refurb. So I used to find these distressed properties and then just ask this guy, his name's Maz, um, for him to carry out the refurbs for me. And I used to just watch and learn and see what he used to do to the properties. Because at that point I was buying houses where I could reconfigure the internal floor plans and add extra bedrooms to these properties just to increase my, my rental income from it and just basically learn what he'd done. Um, and that's what I was doing over time, just bought more properties, um, and then just accumulated over the past 20 years, you know? So, I mean, it's, <clears> it seems to me that obviously just to us your wonderful life story that it's funny through adversity, you found an opportunity to find something that if you work hard enough, anything's achievable. I mean, it relies to you as well, Tom, obviously you yeah. tell me about your sort of life story and it does align, doesn't it really? About sort of the same sort of. Well, I've done exactly the same thing to be fair. Um, we come from not, not exactly. Yeah, so I've come from not exactly a privileged background, um, raised on a council estate, one of five children. Um, anything sort of that we wanted as kids, my parents would have to get into debt for. And through those struggles, I started work at a young age. So I used to work on the market at like 13, buy me on school shoes, just, just things like I just worked constantly. So I took that work ethic that was um, bestowed upon me then by um, working at such a young age, got into construction, started in plastering first off because I couldn't get an apprenticeship within the electrical industry. Um, did that just to get some sort of experience. Luckily managed to get an apprenticeship finally to pursue the career that I wanted to do. Um, and then I've been an electrical contractor ever since that. I started my business in oh, 2019. So I've been going probably about 12, 13 years now. Same again, turnovers, <clears throat> probably a little bit less than what Ricky was turning over as a floor layer, um, but we employ 10 members of staff, all family. Um, our whole ethos is sort of doing like a, a really good job rather than loads of individual smaller scale things. Um, we, we, we're comfortable now, but the thing is for me with property, I did, did exactly the same thing, started off really naive, didn't really know what I was getting myself involved in. I didn't know if I really wanted to be a landlord. We ended up buying a few properties, um, for the, the simple fact of we put two offers in on um, two individual properties and they got accepted at the same time. We were hoping that we would have got one accepted first, um, but Sod's Law, they both got accepted. There was at, at Steel's, so we bought those. We used the BRRR method. Um, we did these properties up, refinanced them, and then the more you sort of get involved in like um, meeting other investors, like-minded people, you find different creative strategies on which you can... Um, release money and go and do other projects. So when we first started, we didn't have a clue about anything refinance-wise. Um, and then we set up an Instagram to solely apply to um, investors that were on a common sort of cause of what we could, so I could leverage their expertise rather than just... I find if you, you only speak to like your family and friends and your peers, um, that you're doing something around property... Um, the negative so like they'll tell you all the negative things that are going to happen so you know what if people don't pay the rent what if the property market collapses there's loads of negatives um, whereas if you speak to people like Ricky who's an investor and other people that we're going to have on the show um, they'll give you the positives and what they think and you get a different perspective of just the whole sort of journey that you're going to be on from speaking to people that are like-minded um, 
um, I've seen some of it before about speaking um, positivity and um, it was like if you, if you say it out loud it's it's 10 times greater the, the effect it can have but negativity has got like a 4 to 7 um, uh, multiplier so if you say that out loud that could be 40 to 70% um, more detriment to the actual uh, impact that you're going to do so every time I was going to speaking to my mates that were in just normal jobs or family members and the negativity that they were sort of creating of um, all these things that could possibly go wrong I decided just to ignore all that and um, just pursue people that are going to further me on my property career so um, yeah we're at the stage now where we're running two businesses the electrical contractors is sort of hand in hand still with um, the property portfolio um, the, we do a lot of the in-house sort of um, works from one business to another um, and then we use subcontractors in between um, but a question I've got for Ricky and a lot of people there's there's a massive transition so if you're in um, as a tradesman everyone I speak to now that comes on a project for me or I'm working on projects that speak about property because it's on social media all the time now everyone wants to be like a so-called property investor um, so all these tradesmen it's a natural pr um, transition from tradesman to landlord because you've got the skill set in order to sort of do those types of projects um, when did you decide that you was going to go from tradesman to landlord and then solely finish at landlord because I find it difficult myself running a business and saying okay the property portfolio is enough now to cover my um, lifestyle and I'm willing to give up um, you know the sort of the cash flow off the daily business off the contractor side um, but I want more time when did you make that decision to be honest Tom look I think it gets to a point where the property portfolio makes more money or generates more income than your business yeah. um and not only that i think when you're young i mean I, I'm, I'm not old i'm 43 but when you're young you've got that you've got that drive you don't mind grafting um you're probably on your own so you don't mind putting all the hours in you don't have to think about your, your family as much and the kids etc so you're at the beginning of your of your journey depending where you started i mean i started when i was quite young I would work every single hour possible because that was my, 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 my drive, my desire. In fact, I just loved making money. I know it's going to sound really selfish, right? But I, I just, I just loved making money, no, no, no. right? Money was my driver. In my early days when I was just starting a business, for me, I was kind of so focused on building a business that nothing else really mattered around me so my first relationship failed because of that and um, I had a child with her and we split up he was only about two years old um, but because of the way I was with work and so focused and just working so many hours it kind of failed um, so it meant that I had to start seeing my son at the weekends only so do you, sorry just adding on that do you feel looking back on it I'm sure you wouldn't have any regrets in your life experiences to to basically come where you are now but looking at it as, as a relationship so I had nothing to do with property construction do you feel that that person in looking back in hindsight wasn't right for you because for me as my part my part my wife if I work hard she knows there's a, a common goal as an end purpose that it's the, it's the better yeah. for your family to do well yeah, yeah. and that you're striving to, to feed your family to give everything that you couldn't have 100% and, agree with it do you know what I mean yeah so yeah so for me I, for me I felt like it, I mean that your partner should really be supporting you because of those reasons because you're not doing it for yourself really are you you're kind of doing it for your family and that's what that's what was driving me as well but she wasn't supportive so so maybe she wasn't for me you know but for me it 
I didn't want to be. I didn't want to be. I didn't want to be felt like I was being held back by her as well. So anyway, the relationship failed, and I just continued to do what I was doing: working hard, uh, building a business, um, investing in properties, etc. Um, then met someone else, and now I've got two kids with her, and she was a complete opposite. Really supportive. She didn't mind me working at all. She knew what the benefits was of of working hard and providing for the family. But as we were saying, it gets to a point where you start to value your time a bit more. I think the older that you get, especially if you've been grafting for the past 20 years, it gets to a point in your life where you start appreciating your time more than anything. And for me, the transition period, and one of the reasons why I sold the shop in 2018 was because um, my, my previous premises, the lease came to an end and the landlord decided to double up my rent on that. And that kind of that kind that's, of that's triggered London, something in my head. You, it? Yeah. yeah so from yeah. 30 grand a year rent, it went to 70 grand. So it was more than doubled. And at that point, I thought to myself, what do I do here? I've built up the business for the past 10 years or so. Do I just give the keys back and that's it? The business is finished. Um, I was lucky that they offered me another uh, shop in the same shopping center. It was just across the other side. And I took that risk and relocated, built the business back up again, um, stuck at it for another two years. And then eventually did you, sold did you it. Use the old closing down sale trick. No, 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 I didn't. <laughs> but yeah, so eventually I thought to myself, you know what? I've signed another ten years. Um, do I really want to see these ten years out again, and then be faced with having to give the keys back or relocate again? Um, by then, my portfolio was well established. Um, one of my employees was interested in buying the business, and he's been really loyal to me as well for the past ten years or so. He used to come in on time, really loyal, very good worker. Um, and decided that while the lease is at 10 years, I stuck at it for another two years actually, and decided to actually sell it at its, at its peak basically, sold it to him. But by then, uh, my portfolio was generating more income than the business. So I thought to myself, you know what, it's time to sell, use the money that, I, that I've got from the business once I've sold it to invest in property and just go into property full time. That way, you know, you don't, you wake up and you do what you want when you want, you know, you're not so focused on the business, worried about the rent, wages, looking after staff, making sure the jobs are coming in, you know. So, I mean, that's your, that is your key factor, isn't it? Yeah. Once you know you're in a certain position in life within your property portfolio, yeah. it makes more money. Yeah. That is the key fundamental factor, isn't but it? But it's a certainty, Chris, you know, as a builder, right, you don't know when your next job is coming, do you? Sure. Do you know what I mean? I so, you, you, you're always kind of... You know, you you kind of refuse the work because you just don't want it to end because you don't know if it's going to end or not. You don't know when, when the job's coming in or not, you know. So with the property portfolio, I knew that I had my rents coming in every month um, at a certain date, you know. Whereas the business was, even though it was established, you know, I just thought to myself, you know what, I've just had enough of running the staff, running the business and sold it and just focused on my property journey. Another little question to add, obviously me running a successful building company so being on the trade and I still have troubles because I'm a carpenter and joiner by trade it's always in my blood my, obviously my father was a builder as well I'm going to touch upon that later um, but I still have the the difficulty of getting off the tools so my question to you would be even though you haven't really sort of been doing carpeting for a while once you get a property and you feel that you need to carpet in that potential property you're going to rent out do you still get that bug to to stick the carpet down so I'll tell you what happened I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what happened to me right uh, 2018 I sold the flooring business but I wasn't I wasn't on the tools anyway I had all my fitters out on the road anyway doing the work um, but 2018 I sold the flooring business and when you're so when you're when you're kind of busy and you've always got a lot going on um, 
it, it, I found it difficult. It was weird because I sold the business. I woke up the following morning and thought, shit, what am I going to do now? I've got no shot. I've got no business. What am I going to do? What am I going to do with myself, you know? It's a bit like that Only Fools and Horses episode. Have you ever watched it when uh, uh, Del Boy and Rodney, they, they, they sell their pocket watch yeah, that they found that. in a garage right, for 12 million quid, right? And they're used to wheeling and dealing, aren't they? And all of a sudden, they come across this money, 12 million quid. Del Boy's got a Rolls Royce and a nice massive mansion. And you see him playing snooker by himself. And Rodney's got his, uh, his, uh, his nice pad by the Thames, isn't it? And um, Del Boy, gets, he feels a bit lost. He doesn't know what to do with himself. He, he goes back to his old Peckham flat, doesn't he? And he starts picking up the phone and, and, and he thinks he's still in business. That was a bit like me. I didn't know what to do with myself. And um, I actually got my carpet fitting tools back out and I started going fitting again just to keep myself busy. Um, so I went through that little transition period. But it's like anything, you know, as humans, we're kind of used to our, our, our routine and our structure and our, our habits. Um, but once, um, once you kind of get over that, new doors open and I just adjusted and got used to it. I carried on buying properties. Um, in fact, the first property that I bought when I sold the shop, I remember I bought this cash, uh, property cash outright, uh, really bad condition. I actually got into the tools and I actually done all the donkey work myself. Yeah, uh, yeah I remember, you know, from having nice clean clothes, going to the shop, smelling all nice and so after shaved up, right? Gucci tracksuit digging out their footings. Yeah, yeah about next minute now, I've got dust head. masks on with soot all over my face. I'm doing videos and putting it on Instagram. I'm thinking to myself, what am I doing? But I actually enjoyed it. But anyway, that was the transition period. Um, now I'm, I'm loving life now. I'm loving the time freedom, the financial freedom. Get up and decide what, you know, what you want to do when you want to do it, if that makes sense, you know? No, that's good. I mean, anything else you want to add, Tom, but what I'll, so obviously we could talk to you all day, mate, and we really appreciate you coming on the Milk. Oh, sorry, my apologies. We really appreciate you coming on the Milk and Two Sugars podcast because uh, you give great value. You are, well, you are what you, what you see, excuse me, what you see is what you get. Same as what me and Tom are like, and that's the reason why we've created this Milk and Two Sugars show, to be transparent, honest. Um, and... We wish you all the best, but before we sort of go, the, the last sort of question I have to you, in the next five years, obviously for listening to the rest of our listeners and to the potential people watching the YouTube channel, what is your your your, your um, goals, your targets to see yourself in the next five years? So my goals and targets I will continue with property. I think that the beauty of property, right, is you can keep just buying a house or a property, should I say. Um, you know, you can buy a couple each year and just keep adding to your portfolio for as long as you live you know there's no there's no there's no ceiling you can just keep adding to your portfolio and increasing your your monthly income um and i just love the whole buying a, a distressed property and carrying out the refurb and just seeing that transformation i just love all that you know um but it's strange because you know you've heard of clubhouse um just to quickly touch on this for, for me clubhouse being on clubhouse has kind of um made me kind of um it's turned into kind of me helping other people to get into property. It's kind of transitioned that way, you know? Because what happens is you go on Clubhouse, you start speaking about your journey, what you do, how you do it, and then all of a sudden you get all these messages through the, the back channel or the DMs, um, and they're kind of asking you. And you know what? You kind of assume that it's quite easy, you know? Everyone knows that you buy a house and you rent it out. But when you look at the, um, the detail of it, and if you want to build a successful portfolio, there is a, a certain way that you need to be able to do it especially if you've got a, you know, one pot of cash. Um, you've got to learn how to leverage. You've got to learn about the leverage. You've got to learn how to add the value. You need to know what to buy, what the, the right location is. So there is a lot to it. So for me, Clubhouse has kind of evolved in a way where I'm starting to now 
help people getting into property and I've met up with this particular person through Clubhouse and I'm quite, in, it's given me that fulfillment actually, I'm actually enjoying it. For me, it's not really about the money because I know I've got the, the money coming in from the property, but what it's done for me is it's, it's kind of keeping me mentally active and I think that's important as well. It doesn't matter how much money you've got or how much money you've got coming in, you've got to be men mentally, you've got to be stimulated, you've got to be active, you've got to feel fulfilled, you've got to have a purpose um, and that's what it's given me so far. So I'm hoping the next um five years oh like i said i'll continue buying property but we'll see how this goes this this the mentoring side this this new venture that i've got going on oh, at the moment but, um you'll see you and never the know. most important burning question tom isn't it obviously ricky sort of had a time on our milk and two sugar show and clubhouse yeah uh the burning question we want to know is your clubhouse show now what do you prefer clubhouse show now or our milk and two sugar show? you know Without what because you're on our podcast no no before. no I'm, i'll be truthful this is my this is actually my first podcast set up in this way. The way you've done it, it looks fantastic. Yesterday, yesterday or day before, I done my my podcast with uh, another person, but it was done via Zoom. Okay. So it was all right. My first podcast, should I say? But this is, I think, this is my first proper podcast with the microphones, cameras, and and things like that. So I think it's quite good. Um, see, um, we'll see what happens. But for me, like I said, it's um, it's good for um, exposure as well, isn't it? Letting people know what you're about. Well, thank you very much for so I've enjoyed it. Us, man, taking your time yeah. out to speak to me and Tom. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.